All right, good evening, everybody. All righty, as always, as we continue through our study in the book of Romans, if you've got your Bibles or your phones or pads or whatever else you got and you want to follow along, uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12, verse 12, and the title of our lesson tonight is Devoted to Prayer. Devoted to prayer. So let's first read our, our verse. Uh, I'm going to read it in two versions. First, the ESV says this, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Uh, and the New American Standard Bible says it this way, Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, and devoted to uh, prayer. Now, last week we covered verses 11 and 12. And... Um, uh, we on verse 12, we focused mainly on rejoicing in hope and enduring in tribulation. And some of you may have noticed that I did not cover the last command in that verse uh, or those last four words, be constant in prayer. And I did that on purpose. I, I could have given four or five slides to that subject and called it a day. And I did think about that because... As most of us know, Pastor Henry is going through a whole series on prayer right now. So I thought, well, you know, I, I, maybe I'll just give it four or five slides and, and, and just move on to verse 13. But after thinking it through, and, and uh, I decided not to do that. And there were two reasons that I, that I didn't do it. First of all, it is a subject that just deserves its own lesson. I mean, let's face it. Pastor Henry is preaching an entire series on prayer. There is so much to talk about when it comes to prayer. So I didn't think it would be right that if I only gave it four or five verses, that really didn't do it justice. So I thought, okay, I'm, I need to do a, a whole lesson. But that was the first reason. The second reason I didn't do it is because I needed this lesson for me. Okay? Let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, one of the problems with being a teacher or a preacher, I think Chuck and I were talking about this a few weeks ago, is that sometimes we see something in the Bible, and when I see something, I immediately start thinking, well, how do I tell people about it, right? How do I communicate it? But sometimes I'm, I'm seeing things, and it's not to be taught, it's to be internalized. It's for me. It's not necessarily. And this is a subject that I knew when I got to it that I didn't need to move on because I needed it for myself. And here's why. Because I struggle with having a strong and what I would consider adequate prayer life. Now, I struggle in a lot of areas, okay? And I'm not going to sit here tonight and bore you with all the different things that I, that I struggle with. But one of the areas that I really struggle with is having what I would call a sufficient or an adequate or a strong prayer life. And here's how, here's what I mean by that. Anytime I sit, like this past Sunday, uh, Pastor Henry preached on prayer, as he has done in Sundays before that, and I sat right over there, and as I'm listening to him preach on prayer, this is what I feel. I feel guilty. I feel ashamed. I, I feel like a failure. I feel that this is an area that I don't measure up, okay? Now, like I said, I, I struggle in a lot of things, but I just don't feel like my prayer life is what my prayer life should be like at this point in my walk 
with uh, Christ. So when I hear people exhorting me to pray, I'm like, <laughs> you know, what's wrong with me? And my guess is tonight that some of you probably feel the exact same way. That if you really measured your prayer life against what you think our prayer life should be. I've just got this idea that somebody that's got a strong prayer life is somebody that just, you know, gets on their knees and can just pray for hours. And I'm like, okay, I just can't do that. I, I, I'm, that's not me. And I feel guilty about that. Like I said, I feel inadequate about that. And my guess is that many of you probably struggle with the same type of feelings. The fact is, we all, if I went around tonight and said, how many people believe in the power of prayer? Don't we all? I mean, we all believe in the power of prayer. If I ask you tonight, how many of you think prayer is important? Well, of course we do. I mean, prayer does these amazing things, yet the fact is many of us would say that we don't pray as much as we should. That's it. There's a real dichotomy there. We believe it, but yet we don't do it. And yet here's Paul in today's verse, or tonight's verse, uh, verse 12, exhorting us to be devoted to prayer, constant in, in prayer. Now, what I want to do tonight is I want to answer, ask and answer three questions. The first one is this, what does a life that is devoted to prayer, what does it look like? And by the way, that's not an easy question to answer. I don't think there's a formula. In fact, not only do I think it can look differently for different people, I think it can look different for the same person in different aspects of their life. You, you take a young mother who's got young children, she, her, her, a life that's devoted to prayer is not going to look the same necessarily as it will 30 years from now when her kids are all gone. So even in someone's life, a prayer, they're being devoted to prayer can be different at different phases of their life. But I want to look at that question. What does a life that is devoted to prayer look like? The second question I'm going to look at is why don't we pray? I'm going to kind of look at it from the opposite side. Why don't we pray as we should? And I'm going to give you ten reasons that we don't. And then finally, I'm going to kind of encourage, uh, as, as Pastor Henry has been doing in his series, why should we pray? And there's a lot of reasons, but I'm going to focus on uh, three. So let's start with that first question. What does a life look like that is devoted to uh, prayer? Well, let me start with what it's not, okay? I, don't know, I'm, I can't necessarily tell you exactly what a life devoted to prayer looks like, but I can tell you what it's not. I think we could all agree that there is a type of praying that we would not qualify as being devoted to prayer, right? So somebody, for example, that only prays over their meals, I wouldn't call that person devoted to prayer, would you? Or a person that only prays when there's a crisis or drama in their life. A person that only prays when they need something from God. A person that maybe only prays at the beginning of the day or only prays before they go to bed tonight. By the way, those are all good things, aren't they? There's, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But the fact is, if, if that's all you do, I think we would probably all agree that there, that's a type of praying or a type of prayer that we would not describe as being devoted to prayer. Now, as I said, those things are not wrong. And I, I'm not, I can't sit here tonight and say this is exactly what it looks like. But I would expect when Paul says be devoted to prayer, he's calling us to something more, is he not? 
Don't be a person that just prays over meals. Don't be a person that just prays at the beginning end of the day. Don't be a person that just prays when they need something from God. Be devoted to prayer. It's got to be something more than that. Now, let me say this, though. I don't think being devoted to prayer means that prayer is all you do. Okay? Um, I don't think being devoted to prayer means you've got to uh, become a monk or, a, or, or and go into a monastery and pray 12 or 15 or 16 hours a day. I don't think that's what it means at all. When I think about being devoted, I think about a husband and wife. If I was to say that a man is devoted to his wife, I certainly don't mean that he has to, being devoted to her means that he spends 100% of his time with her. That's not, that's not possible. Being devoted to her doesn't necessarily mean that he's thinking about her 100% of the time, right? That's not what being devoted means. But what it does mean is his devotion to her affects everything in his life. He doesn't go anywhere that his devotion to her doesn't weigh on him. It weighs on the decisions that he makes. It, it, it weighs on the way he acts, the way he carries himself, the things that he involves himself in. So being devoted to prayer may not mean we pray 24 hours a day or we constantly think about prayer, but I will tell you being devoted to prayer means that we don't go into any place, any situation, anything at all without prayer having a, a, a great effect on us, our commitment to prayer. So I think that being devoted to prayer means, again, it's not all you do, but it means there, there is a commitment to prayer in your life that shows that you are dedicated to your prayer life. Now, as I said, I don't think this is the same necessarily for everyone. And I don't think it's a formula that you pray a certain amount of times a day or, or, or I, we don't want to get into those kind of things, right? But I, I think we can all agree that prayer should be something significant. Can we agree on that? Being devoted to prayer, that it means that prayer has a significant place, that it's a priority for you, that it's an important thing that you do. Now, let's turn to the second question. Why don't we pray as we uh, should? I, I, I thought about this a while back, and there's a lot of reasons. And I, I won't sit here tonight and try to uh, give you every single reason that, that people don't pray as they should. But I did come up with ten. So I'm going to give you my top ten reasons uh, that people don't pray as they should. And these are, by the way, these are in no order. And I don't at all mean that all ten of these are going to apply to every person here. All ten of them don't apply to me, but some of them do. And more than likely, some of these are going to apply to you. But as I said, there's no, there's no order here. I've just got ten reasons. One reason that we don't pray as we should is that we don't want for anything. Too many of us lead complacent, satisfied lives. I mean, just think about that. Why should we pray a lot? when we've got pretty much everything that you need. Jesus, when he was teaching us how to pray in the Lord's Prayer, he said these words that we can all quote by heart, give us this day our daily bread. And for centuries, people did exactly that. They had no idea. They, 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 they hoped that storm didn't wipe out their crops, right? They hoped that they could get through the freeze. They hoped something didn't get into the potatoes in the cellar and, and eat them out of... They, they, because they didn't know, right? And today in other countries, st people still pray this prayer. God, provide me today 
with my daily bread. But why should we pray that? All we got to do is stop at Winn-Dixie. Or Kathy tells me now there's just an app. You just, and they bring it to your door. I mean, it's that easy. It, it makes us get complacent, doesn't it? I don't have to ask, why should I pray for food or shelter or clothing? I just go to Winn-Dixie. I just, I, I go to Walmart. I, I, I've got a house. Why do I need to pray for those things? And we don't. Because we really lack in, in here in America for very little. Another reason that we don't pray as we should is because we think small. We think small. If most of us were honest, our worlds tend to revive, to, to revolve around very small things. Our daily routines revolve around very small things. What television shows are we going to watch, right? Uh, what sporting events are we going to watch or are we going to uh, attend? Uh, shopping, where are we going to go shopping? Where do you want to eat out tonight? What's, what do we got for dinner? Just these little things that just make up our days. And again, they're not bad things, but we tend to just focus on those things. And by the way, if you look at that list, there's not a whole lot there to pray about, is it? I mean, I'm not going to pray what television show to watch or what sporting event to go to. I mean, we just don't pray. We think small. So there's nothing to pray about. There's nothing big to pray about. Number three, and this is, sounds kind of weird, but I want you to hear me out. We are afraid that God might actually show up and answer. Okay? It, it, if we do pray about something, for example, let's begin to think big and I'm going to pray for the salvation of my coworker. do you know God might actually show up and ask you to do something to see that person saved? I mean, <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. I, th- I, thought it, I thought you just did, waved a magic wand. I didn't know you want me to get involved. But God tends to do stuff like that. Think about the rich young ruler. He, he enters into a conversation with Jesus. Lord, what must I do to be saved? And what does God do? He puts his finger right on his problem, you love your money too much. Or Nicodemus shows up at night to have a conversation with Jesus, and, and Jesus, and he says, Lord, we, you know, teacher, we know you're a teacher sent from God. And Jesus starts saying, well, you gotta be born again. How can you, a Pharisee, not know these things? I mean, he goes right to the heart of the matter. See, the thing is, God's not always just interested in talking about what we want. He wants to talk about some other Things. And to be quite honest, that scares us to death sometimes. Because God has a tendency when we talk to Him to make our lives a little uncomfortable. And sometimes we're not sure we want anybody to mess that up. Number four, again, this is going to sound a little weird, but I want you to hear me out. We don't really believe that we need His help. We don't really believe that we need His help. <clears throat> you know, kids are great, right? They, they've got this little world that they live in, and they don't see the dangers just outside their little bubble, do they? Kids are so confident. They just think, I mean, they're just living their life, and they're not concerned about any of these outside things. That's how we are. We're like overconfident children that think that we can handle anything that we come into. Let me give you a scripture. There's a really interesting story in Joshua chapter 9. In this chapter, if you go back and read it, Moses has died. Joshua has taken, uh, has crossed the Jordan River and gone into the land. And he has already overcome two major cities. One of them is Jericho. He marches around the city and the walls fall down. And another city called Ai. He, he, and and the, the whole land starts hearing about it. 
you're not going to believe what these people are doing. They just march around cities and the walls fall down. So there was these people from Gibeon and they came up with a plan. I want you to listen to what it says. However, it says, when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted to a ruse. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks and old wineskins, cracked and mended. They put worn and patched sandals on their feet, and they wore old clothes, and all the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him and the Israelites, We've come from a distant country. Make a treaty with us. See, what they're doing is they come and they got worn out shoes and their bread's moldy and their, you know, their donkeys are limping along and they just, and, and basically what they're saying is, look at us. We're not a problem for you. We're not a powerful people. We're not a strong people. We, we can barely feed and clothe ourselves. Just make a treaty with us. I want you to look at the last verse. It says, the Israelites sampled their provisions, but they did not inquire of the Lord. You see, they went by what they saw. They looked at the situation and they thought, oh, well, obviously these people are poor. Obviously these people got no weapons. Obviously this isn't a threat to us. We don't need to pray about this. And they didn't inquire of the Lord. See, are we not the same way? Don't we come into situations and see them with our eyes and listen and hear and think and feel and think, oh, I got this. I don't see any danger here. And we should, we don't inquire of the Lord. Listen, we should inquire of the Lord. If, what is, what does Paul say? In everything with prayer and supplication come to God. Don't assume because it looks the right way and somebody says the right thing and the timing to, seems to be right. Don't just assume that everything's okay. Go to God. But we don't. Because we're like these overconfident children that just say, you know what, I got this, I got this. No need to pray about that. Number five, this is one that's obvious. Jesus taught us this. One of the reasons we don't pray is because of the weakness of our flesh. Matthew 14, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying before they come and get him, and he'll be crucified. And he takes Peter, James, and John with him, and he comes and he finds them sleeping. And he says to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? And watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is so, so weak. Listen, that was true 2,000 years ago. It's still true today. It was true for the apostle Peter, and it's true for you and I. Our flesh is weak. By the way, if you don't believe that, go home tonight and try to pray for one hour. One hour straight. Just try that. And you'll find out how weak your flesh is. Number six, reason we don't pray as much as we should or as we should is because of a lack of discipline. See, the fact is, you and I can be truly saved. We, we, can, we can love God. But without commitment and without discipline, no one ever spends quality time in, in prayer. Even people who really love the Lord can find themselves doing things like sermon preparation or lesson preparation, or visiting, uh, visitation, or counseling. Good things. There's nothing wrong with any of those things, but we can devote so much time to those things that we're, and we don't devote time to prayer. You see, the fact is, we have to make prayer a, a priority in our life. It has to be, and, and, and that takes discipline, because we all run, we're all going to want to go do the things we want to do. And sometimes, and we'll talk about this in a bit, 
prayer may not be the thing that we want to do. Matthew 6.33, listen, all those things are good. Lesson prep, sermon prep, visitation, counseling, encouraging your friends, witnessing. Those things are great. But Jesus said, Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And by the way, His righteousness begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the foundation of our Christianity. Keep that number one, that relationship with Him. Number seven, I almost threw this one in with uh, the fact that uh, our flesh is weak, but I I just went ahead and made this a a little bit different, and and that is we are, some of us, lazy. Um, Listen, prayer takes effort. Let me say that again. Prayer takes effort. Colossians 4, uh, 12, Paul says this, talking about Epaphras. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. Struggling on your behalf in his prayers. Romans 15, 30, Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers. Struggle, strive. Don't sound too easy, does it? Sound like it takes some commitment. Sounds like it takes some some effort. You see, prayer demands thought. Prayer demands persistence. Prayer demands concentration. And sometimes, sometimes you have to make yourself do those things. Isaiah 64, 7 says this, There is no one who calls upon your name who rouses himself to take hold of you. The idea here is somebody just laying down, right? You're just sitting on the, laying on the couch. You're just lazy. Nope, this person needs to rouse themselves, to stir themselves, get up and go call upon the name of the Lord. Number eight, another reason that we don't pray as we should is because there is sin in our life. Paul, uh, John Bunyan said this, I almost said Paul Bunyan. John Bunyan said this, John Bunyan's a real guy, Paul Bunyan's not a real guy. Um, John Bunyan, I almost said it again. John Bunyan said this, Prayer will make a man seize from sin just as sin will make a man seize from prayer. When we have sin in our life, we're like, a, we're like a guilty child that doesn't want to go to daddy. When we have sin in our life and we know we're not right, we're knowing things, we're like a child that doesn't want to go see daddy. We hide. See, the irony of it is the one thing we should do when we have sin in our life 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The one thing we should do when we have sin is go pray. And that's the one thing that we are less likely to do because we have sin in our life. That's the irony of it. Hebrews 4, 16, listen to this. Let us therefore come boldly up to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace. See, God knows us. And he's encouraging us, even when you have messed up, even when you need to find mercy, come boldly. Don't ever hold back. I know you. I know you're you're not hiding anything from me. I've seen everything you do. I know everything you think. But I love you unconditionally. Come. Come and get forgiveness. Come and find mercy. Come and find grace. That's what he's encouraging us to do. So when we fail, as opposed to running away and hiding, we are to come to our Heavenly Father and pray as opposed to stop praying. Number nine, this also is going to sound a little bit odd, but hear me out. We don't really believe that God will answer. We don't really believe God will answer. 
Listen, if you've been in this church for any amount of time, you've heard story after story after story uh, of answered prayer. And I believe them. Do you? I believe them. I know some of the people that they don't lie. These are trustworthy people. I believe that God has answered prayer for them. We, we open Scripture. Pastor Henry's been doing an entire series on prayer where we've seen these great and wonderful promises. We've got them. That's God's Word right there in Scripture. And then we've got our own experience where we see Him answer prayer for others. We've seen this year after year after year. Yet some people actually still doubt that God will come through for them. Think about it this way. If you really believed, really believe that God would answer your prayer, who wouldn't ask? Who wouldn't go to God with everything? So if we're not going to God with everything, if we're not asking, what does that say about us? Doesn't it say that down deep we may not really believe? And here's the question. Why don't we believe? Is it because we don't believe He's able? Does anybody believe God can do anything He wants to do? Sure He can. The Bible says, with nothing, God, with, 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 uh, nothing is impossible with God. Is it because we think our request is too hard? Is it because we think He's too far removed? No, Scripture says His arm is not shortened. Does it be, is it because we think He doesn't care? No. Cast your cares upon Him because He cares for you. I don't think any of those are the reasons that people don't believe. I think the thing we struggle with is we're just not sure He'll do it for me. It's easier to believe He'll do it for you than it is, will He really do it for me? Do you know me like He knows me? Why would He do that for me? I think this is where most people struggle. Number 10, we're not really sure it'll make a, a difference. Let's be honest, prayer and, and, and is a complicated subject, is it not? I mean, in some ways it's simple, but as, as Pastor Henry has showed these last few weeks through the series, and if you haven't been here, make sure you go back and listen to that series. There are a, a lot of different factors that, that come into prayer. For example, there's questions like, well, since God knows everything, why do I even have to ask? There, there's questions like that. And if you're not careful, those type of questions can, can breed doubt and uncertainty in your mind. And then that uncertainty and doubt, if you're not careful, can paralyze your prayer life, can absolutely paralyze it. Listen, if you've got questions like that, then you need to seek out Pastor Henry, you need to seek out myself or Chuck or Brother Bill and get those questions answered. Because until you do, you're, par you're, you're at, the, at, the, at the most, it'll be paralyzed or, or neutralized. You'll never pray like you should if you've got questions like that in your mind. Seek somebody out because the answers are there. But you have to pursue it. Number three, and I'll close with this. The last question is, why should we be prayers, prayers? Why should we be devoted to prayer? Why should we pray? Now, again, I'm not going to try to reinvent the wheel because, I, as I said, Pastor Henry has gone through some a wonderful series on prayer. I did list a few reasons why we should pray. Now listen, I, I didn't even get them all. And there's a lot of reasons. So I'm going to list a few. And then I'm going to come back and I want to focus on uh, three of them. 
Here's a few reasons. Prayer, the Bible tells us, is a form of serving God. We find that in Luke chapter 2. We pray because we are commanded to pray, such as in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. We pray because prayer was modeled for us by Christ and the early church. We see that in numerous scriptures. We pray to gather workers for the harvest. That's Luke 10. We pray to overcome temptation. That's Matthew 26. We pray to strengthen others spiritually. That's Ephesians 6. We pray to gain wisdom. James 1.5. If anyone lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. We pray to participate in God's work. We pray to gain peace and rest. We pray to have a relationship with God. We pray to alleviate worry. We pray to receive forgiveness. We pray to receive mercy and grace. And we pray, according to Luke 18, to humble ourselves. Now, as I said, that's just a few. I didn't even try to do a comprehensive list. I could probably go on and on and give us other reasons that we should pray. But we don't have time tonight to cover each and every one of them. So as I thought about this, I came down to three that really jumped out at me that I think that I needed to hear in my life. Three things. Uh, and they are this. Number one, we pray because we're commanded to. Number two, we pray to relate to God. Number three, we pray to align ourselves with God's will. Okay, and I want to touch on each one of these. Here's the first one. Why should we pray? Here's the foundational reason that we should pray. And that is because he tells us to. He commands us to. In Matthew 6, 9, Jesus said this, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In Luke 18, it says, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. In Colossians 4, 2, Paul says this, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. In Philippians 4, 6, Paul says, Don't be anxious or don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Of course, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray continually. And then we've got tonight's verse, right? Romans 12, 12, be constant in prayer or be devoted to prayer. All of these verses tell us to pray. In addition to that, not only did they tell us to pray, the prayer was modeled for us by both Jesus and the apostles and the early church. For example, in Luke 5, 16, it tells us that Jesus would, would withdraw to desolate places and pray. He was always surrounded by crowds and surrounding by, uh, by his uh, disciples. And sometimes he would just go by himself out into the woods, out into the mountains, out in the wilderness, and he would pray. The Bible tells us he did that over and over and over and over again. In Acts 2.42, talking about the early church, it says this, They, the early converts, were continually, and there's that word again, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, devoting themselves to fellowship, devoting themselves to the breaking of bread, and devoting themselves to what? To prayer. We pray because we're commanded to. Now... Why do I start with this one? Because like everything else in the Christian life, we first make a choice to do something. Right? What does Jesus say in John 14, 15? If you love me, say it with me, keep my commandments. He commanded us to pray. If we love him, we pray. 
Now, folks, listen, he never said it would be easy. In fact, he never said a lot of the things he asked us to do. You think it's self-denial is easy? You, you think turning the other cheek is easy? You, you think um, uh, loving your enemy is easy? You think forgiving someone 70 times 7 times is easy? It's not easy at all. But that doesn't get us out of it, does it? If you love me, keep my commandments. Sometimes the things he asks us to do take effort. Sometimes the things he asks us to do are not going to come easy, but we walk into it. By the way, without the Spirit of God, we could do none of those things. The only, well, our job is to make the choice to do it. The Spirit then comes in and empowers us to do it. But it all begins with a choice. It all begins with a decision you make, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. Listen, if prayer doesn't come easy, just can I tell you, consider yourself normal. I think sometimes in church we get this idea that everybody else are just like these super Christians. And they're just super prayers, prayers, you know. They're just, and they're, they're praying eight hours a day. And what's wrong with me? Let me tell you, you're probably in the norm, not abnormal, right? Most people struggle with, with their with their prayer lives because it's not meant to be easy. It's meant to be making a choice and taking time out. So if you struggle, just remember you're probably normal, fallen and sinful like everybody else. So what do we do? Do we just give up because it's hard? No, we fight. We strive. We struggle. We don't let our sins and our weaknesses rule us. God says pray, so we do it because He asks us to. That's where we begin. That's where we start. Number two, the second reason we pray is to relate to God. You know, again, I've been married for 38 years. I wouldn't have much of a marriage if we didn't talk, if we didn't relate to one another, right? It it would get old pretty quick. Listen, if you want to have a relationship with God, a real relationship, you have to spend time with Him. That deepens our relationship. We pray to, to humble ourselves. We pray to remind ourselves that God is God and we're not. I go back to Jesus. He constantly withdrew to go talk to the Father. Have you ever asked yourself why he did that? Why did he pull away from the crowds, even his friends? And by the way, he said, I call you friends. Those were his friends. And yet he would pull away from them and go into the wilderness to pray. Why? Why would he do that? Well, for one thing, he loved his father. He wanted to spend time with his father. I believe another reason is, and and this is just me, I think there's things he could talk to the father about that he could never, those, those guys would never understand. You see, I love that part. One of the reasons that we pray is to unburden ourselves. Several years ago, I went through something in my life And I prayed harder than I had ever prayed for anything in my life. And it didn't happen. Not only did it didn't happen, the opposite happened. And I got so angry at God that I quit praying. I just said, whatever. I'm not going to do this anymore. I I prayed as hard as I, I... I don't have any more faith than that. I just quit praying. I quit relating to God. And I was mad at Him. I was very angry at Him. So I just quit praying. And I don't remember exactly if somebody said this to me. I can't remember or if the thought came to me that, you know, you can tell God you're angry because he already knows it. 
He already knows you're mad. He knows all the thoughts that's going through your head. He knows all that. Why don't you just tell him? So one day I did. I just started praying again, and it wasn't very spiritual. I just started telling God how mad I was and how angry I was and how let down I was. But guess what? I was praying. I was relating. Isn't that what he said? Come. Say it with me. Let us what? Reason together. Come let us reason together. You tell me your side of it, and I'll tell you mine. And that's exactly what happened. As I began to talk to him about my feelings and how angry I was, by the way, I couldn't tell anybody else that. I, I couldn't tell anybody that, but I could tell him. And as I began to talk to him and tell him all that, guess what? He, he started talking back. He started telling, I mean, not, you know, just, I started to see things differently. My perspective started to change. And I, I can stand here today, the man I am today goes back to that. It all started right there. Don't, you know, praying sometimes is just telling him things that you can't tell anybody else. And listen, there's not a person in this room, there are things in your life that you cannot tell the person sitting beside you. You'll never tell the person sitting beside you. Can't do it. It's too embarrassing. It's too shaming. It's too whatever. But guess what? You can tell God. You can tell Him all day long. He loves us unconditionally. We are His children. We can come boldly before the throne of grace, even with all the shame and all the regret and even with anger sometimes. He understands so that's one of the things about praying is that we, it, it builds that relationship with God. We talk to Him, and guess what? He starts to talk back, and we begin to change. Number three, all right, this is the tough one. I went through this several times. I, I put it together, tore it apart, put it back together again, tore it apart, put it back together again. And here's where I landed. We pray to align ourselves with God's will. Matthew 6, 9, and 10. This is the Lord's Prayer. I want you to listen to what it says. Pray then like this, Jesus said. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will. Four words. We're praying, your will be done. See, I think one of the biggest misconceptions with Christians is that we think prayer is going to God to get our will done. Prayer should be going to God to get His will done. I think that is a huge misconception about prayer, is that we're always coming, this is what I need, this is what I want, this is what I think. And there's nothing wrong with that in some sense, by the way. We've already seen, make your requests known to God. That's okay. But the fact is, Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, your will be done. So if prayer is a means of getting God's will done on earth. Now let me say this, would you agree that as a Christian, we should want more than anything in the world, God's will in our life? Now you better think about that before you say it. But shouldn't we as Christians want God's will to be done? Shouldn't we want our will to be aligned with God's will more than anything in the world. And I think that's what prayer has the has a chance, it allows us to do, is to bring us into alignment with God's heart. 
If you do that, by the way, listen to this promise, 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know that if He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. That is a promise in the Word of God that says if you ask anything according to His will, He'll do it. It's His will. How can He not do it? Right? So isn't, isn't the onus kind of on me to ask things that are in His will? Because then I've got this incredible confidence that those things are going to be done. So we come to God and we lift our concerns, we lift our problems to God, and we ask for God's will to be done, and then guess what we do? We trust. Now, some people say, that's not faith. If you just, if you just come to God asking for His will, that's not faith. No, I'm telling you, folks, that's the greatest faith. That's the greatest faith. It's one thing to come to God and say, move that mountain. It's a whole other thing to come to God to say, God, I want you to move that mountain, but if it ain't your will, I submit to that. I trust you. I trust you to know what's good and best for my life, not for today, but for eternity. That's faith. That's faith. You see, sometimes God, by the way, when we request things and ask things, God will delay His answer. He don't answer always right away. And He's doing that according to His purposes and His plan and for our benefit. What are we to do in those situations when we don't get an answer right away? What do we do? Well, the Bible's clear. Luke 18, 1 through 8, He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. In a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor man. You can, go, you can go read it. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. Keep asking. Be persistent. I think sometimes God holds back a little bit and He says, are they going to come back? Do they really want this? Is this, is this really what they want? Or are they just going to give up? So we're encouraged, even if it doesn't happen immediately, to keep asking. Now, here's the question. This is where I struggle. And I, and, and I hope everybody probably is in the same boat or else I'm all by myself. How do we know sometimes what to pray? There's a mountain in our path and we come to God. And how do I know whether He wants to move it or whether He wants to leave it? Does anybody want to answer that? I mean, that's not an easy one, is it? How do we know God's will? I want to give you a different thought tonight. I want you to think of prayer as a means of discerning God's will. I want you to think of prayer as a means of discerning God's will. Listen, Jesus comes out of, I believe it was Jericho, I don't remember exactly, but if blind Bartimaeus hadn't hollered out, he'd have never been healed. You understand that? If he wouldn't have called out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me, with everybody saying, shut up, man. You're making a pest of yourself. And he just hollered louder until Jesus could hear him. If he wouldn't have asked, he'd have never been given his sight. If the woman with the demon-possessed daughter who comes to Jesus and said, Father, says, uh, teacher, I forget what she called him, but she said, heal my daughter. And he, he almost insults her and says, oh, we don't give the children's food to dogs. How easy would it have been for her to turn and walk away? Well, how dare he do that? She said, no, even the dogs eat the crumbs. 
Jesus said, man, because of your faith, your daughter's made whole. She believed. She, she didn't give up. Even when he was kind of, Pastor Henry said it Sunday, even when he hides, she wouldn't quit. See, if you don't ask, if either one of those would have asked, they'd have never gotten what they received. See, God says you often go without because you don't ask. James 4.2 says you do not have because you do not ask God. So ask. But sometimes the answer will be no. I, I prayed those years ago. I prayed like I've never prayed before. And the answer was no. See, God sometimes says no. Second Corinthians 12, Paul says three times, I pleaded with the Lord, take this thing away from me. Three times I asked him, take it away. And he said to me, no, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul said, okay. <laughs> Man, I'll boast in it then. That's fine. If you're going to be more powerful in my life because of this thing I've got, then go right ahead. As long as I know it's your will. See, I think we ask, but there comes a time when God will say no. Sometimes he does that verbally, like he did with Paul. Sometimes he drops it into our spirit and gives us a peace about it. Sometimes the opposite happens that we've been praying for. But in all of those cases, if you think about it, if your desire above all else is for God's will to be done and it doesn't happen, then guess what? It was his will. It's not because you had a lack of faith. It's not because you couldn't believe big enough. Sometimes it's a better thing for God to say no. And by the way, when he says no, it's always a good thing. Matthew seven eleven, Jesus said this, If you, then, who are evil, talking about human parents, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven Give good gifts to those who ask Him. I, I, y'all, y'all, I've, I said this before. Um, I'll say it one more time in case you've never heard it. When I was a, a teenager, I turned 16. I wanted my first car. And a friend of mine had a Jeep. I thought that was just the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And I wanted a Jeep. And my dad said, no. No. Well, why can't I have it? Because you'll, you'll roll it over. You know, 16-year-old don't even need to be driving a Jeep. I said, okay. I'll get a car, and I found a Camaro, a 69 Camaro with a, like a 308 V8 in it, and I wanted that. And he said, no. <laughs> what? Why not? Because you'll kill yourself. Don't, 16-year-old don't need, don't need to have that much power. You see, I had these things I wanted, but he knew better than me. His wisdom, and, and he knew better than me what I really needed, not what I wanted. God is the exact same way. We come to him, and we say, God, this is what I want. And sometimes God says, I, you may want that, but that's not what you really need. And we're going to do something different here. And we trust. And when that different thing happens, we don't get angry. We don't get mad like I did. I just had a, the reason I got angry is because I didn't understand God. I didn't know who he was. I didn't have a relationship with him. I thought he was like a Santa Claus and I had held up my end of the bargain. Now it was time for him to hold up his. And when he didn't, I was let down. I had a total bad misunderstanding of who God was. But we shouldn't be that way. We have the teaching. We have our, our, our pastor preaching a series. We've got our lesson here tonight. We know who he is, and we know that sometimes he says no. And when he does it, it's because that's what's good for us. 
One more thing, and I'll close with this. Our prayers are never, never, ever in vain. Matthew 6, 6, Jesus said this, When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees what you do in secret, is going to reward you. Doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily get what you ask for. As we just said, sometimes He says no. But there's a reward coming. There's a reward coming, I believe, for every prayer where you've ever prayed. You've obeyed. You didn't feel like it, but you set time aside and you pressed in and you got in and you said, I want a relationship with you and here's what I need. And, and, but Lord, if, it's, if, if this isn't what I really, this is what I want, but this isn't what I need, then I'll trust you on that. God sees those things. He sees the attitude of the heart and that he will uh, reward. Let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord. Uh, so thankful for a pastor who will uh, preach on prayer and has done such a wonderful job with that. And I think the timing of this in my mind was just spot on. Um, nobody planned it. It just turned out that way. And I just thank you for your, your guidance, sovereign guidance in our life. Now, Lord, I'm, I, I ask now if there's those here who, like me, um, struggle with prayer. Struggle in feeling deficient and, 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 and not up to snuff, so to speak, in their prayer life. Then I pray tonight, Lord, that you will do something in us, Lord. I know that I want to recommit to you to, 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 to be devoted to prayer. Even though I'm not even 100% sure what exactly what that's going to look like in my future, I want to be devoted to prayer. So I make a choice to press in. I make a choice to, to find you and seek you, even when, as Pastor Henry said this past Sunday, it seems like you're hiding. I choose to press in. Holy Spirit, empower us to be a praying church, not just when we need something, not just when we've got a crisis, but in everything, in everything, we press in with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen.